Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, I want to take some time to thank our supporting partners who make the podcast possible, and this month that's Canyon and Kushcore. And I've got details of a Kushcore giveaway coming right up. Canyon have recently launched a massively updated version of their all-out enduro race bike, the Strive. We're talking 170 up front, 160 at the back with a long reach combined with a pretty short rear end to give you the best of both worlds when it comes to stability and manoeuvrability. The Canyon engineering team have left no stone unturned in the pursuit of creating the fastest race bike possible, making the most of having riders like Jack Moore, Dim Tordo and Fabian Burrell on hand to test and feedback on every detail. If you've listened to the recent episode where me and two friends spent a couple of days with the Strive, along with the Spectral and the Talk, you'll know that we all loved it and were totally blown away by just how fast it enables you to cover the ground. The suspension is insanely plush but still supportive and able to generate speed and that long cockpit means that it feels super stable even when you're going at Mach 10. The suspension stays super active under braking, meaning that this thing slows down like nothing else I've ever ridden. And believe me, you're going to need to slow it down because this bike is fast. If you want to find out more, then you can head over to Kenyon.com now. Stock is limited, but if they don't have the colour or size that you want, then you can sign up to Stock Alert emails right there on the product page at Kenyon.com. Kushcore often gets lumped into the category of just being a rim protection device, but in reality, it does much more. If you've listened to my episode with Kushcore founder Adam Crefton, you'll know that huge amounts of engineering went into the detail of the design to make sure that Kushcore provides added damping and support to the tyre. What this means in reality is that your bike performs better. Maintaining better momentum through rough terrain, transmitting less vibration to you, the rider, and giving you added support in the turns. It's no surprise that you'll find Kushcore inside the tyres of a lot of the world's fastest enduro and downhill riders. Kushcore have got a full range of sizes from Pro to XC Plus and Gravel and you can get them in 29, 275 or a mix set for your mullet. They've also designed some awesome accessories to make fitting Kushcore a breeze like the bead dropper tyre lever which to be fair whether you're fitting Kushcore or not is an incredible tyre lever the best they've ever used and their brand new B-Bro which is a wicked little tool that holds the bead in place as you fit the tyre. Again not just something that's going to benefit Kushcore users as it really does help get the tyre on. So if you want to go bigger, corner harder and ride faster with total confidence, then Kushcore.com is the place to head. Check them out and feel the benefits of everything that Kushcore has to offer. Also, Kushcore are supporting my annual listener survey and giving away a prize bundle consisting of a set of Kushcore in your choice of size, a set of valves and their awesome tools, the bead dropper and the bead bro to one lucky winner. All you need to do is to head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash survey and take a couple of minutes to fill it out. It's a massive help to me to keep improving the podcast and also when I'm working with brands, which is ultimately what keeps this thing coming to you for free each week. So if you've got a couple of minutes, please head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash survey and help me out for a chance to win some lovely Kushcore goodies. All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. You can also get in touch and give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook by heading to at downtimepodcast. All right, Ollie Morris is an experienced coach and elite level rider who works with both the Mondraker Downhill team and Laurie Greenland. With my attempt at the EWS 100 just around the corner, I decided it was time to give Ollie a call and get some help. We chat about how to approach the race to give myself the best possible chance of performing well. From classifying stages to finding the rhythm of a trail, there's some great advice in here. We also catch up on how Ollie's been working with the Mondraker team riders this season and get some insight into Laurie's performance at the Fort William World Cup from Ollie's perspective. So, without further ado, here's Ollie Morris. Ollie Morris, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. Fresh uh, off the road on the way back from Fort William. How are you feeling? Yeah, feeling good, thank you. And uh, cheers for having me back for, I don't know how many we're on now. Is it the third or fourth or some Fourth, I think, maybe. But um... Yeah, could well be. We've done a few. And, um, well, I mean, this is a pure, pretty much purely selfish uh, endeavour in that I'm racing EWS 100 in uh, <laughs> a little over a week's time and feeling a mixture of excited and nervous about that and you, you know you know me pretty well we've ridden together a bit we've done some coaching together um and i guess i'm looking for some advice really like with the the limited amount of time that i have available to me between now and the race and throughout the race itself like i guess i'm looking for your thoughts on what i can do both physically and mentally to be as prepared as possible to put myself in the best place to perform i suppose 
Mm, yeah, good show. Good show. Uh, I mean, one option is don't go and then you everything will be all right for you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just waiting for COVID to kick in. Surely I've picked up COVID at Fort William, right? Yeah, yeah, you find some excuse not to go. <laughs> How are you feeling? You feeling fit? Um I don't feel fit at this particular moment in time, but I don't think many people feel fit after a week in Fort William in the rain. Um <laughs> but I felt pretty good. Yeah. So we did a, like a shakedown two days in the Valley about five or six weeks ago, two big days back to back to kind of, I guess, a race simulation, um, which went okay in that we completed it, but I was pretty far off on nutrition and hydration, I think were the main things, uh, which meant I felt pretty weird for the latter half of the first day. And the second day was quite a struggle, but I changed a load of stuff up and, uh, I did a, a local race two weekends ago and I know that race really well. Like I've done it two years, well, I've done it every year pretty much apart from when it was canceled for COVID since it came back about five years ago. Hmm. And I would normally feel pretty tired on the race day after practice. And I actually, I basically didn't feel like I'd done practice. Like I felt really fresh and it's not as big as EWS. It's more like 900 meters climbing kind of 30 odd k so it's a bit of a smaller two days but it's two days and it's racing um so physically i felt pretty good there performance was not great because i crashed in about 10 seconds into the first stage um (laughs) to which i'm still feeling some of the after effects but uh yeah like fitness is not it's not awful but it's probably not where i hoped i would be if that makes sense yeah okay yeah and how long you've got until did you say two weeks is is it now it's june isn't it june uh... yeah so we've got the rest of this week and next week and then it's it's on that weekend the end of next week sounds fair so it's probably not going to be changing your fitness it's probably going to be making sure your fresh is going to be the priority over the next couple of weeks then yeah i think so i don't expect that i'm going to get any fitter i guess i just don't want to lose anything i want to stay kind of sharp feel ready and then just feel, I guess, prepared like mentally more than anything. Like how can I come into it with some level of confidence in a good mental state rather than coming kind of worried and panicking and, and that sort of side of stuff. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask you some questions around the uh, around that race just to kind of get a bit of an idea about the sorry, the race you did last week, just to get an idea about yeah. kind of you know, so the first one that springs to mind is why do you think you crashed like ten seconds into stage one? So I would, I went thinking I might crash just because I'd been out on the Wednesday that week and probably ridden the best I've ever ridden. I went out with KJ Sharp, who people might know from the podcast and from, from racing, mm-hmm. British champion, you know, really good rider and was kind of keeping with her and, you know, feeling good on the bike and just feeling like I could let the bike deal with stuff. And I, it was pretty incredible, really. Like I've never felt that good. So I was sort of maybe frothing a little bit too hard for the, for the race um and i'd like to say it was that that i was just going too hard but it was a there's like a grassy step down near the top of the first stage and it was really windy and i didn't really take that on board so i like try i went to gap the step down and the wheels just got blown out from under me and uh kind of landed sideways and and slid um so it was i i'm gonna blame it on the weather i don't think it was like a I wasn't going too hard or anything. It was all kind of pretty, pretty sensible, really. More, more a kind of freak accident than it sounds like. Yeah. And how did the rest yeah, of it go so. for you? Uh, it was okay. I mean, after that, I decided I, I made a pretty quick decision to not get on and try and make up for that because I didn't feel like that was a sensible thing to do. I just was like, right, okay, well, I just ride. I try and ride well, but I think it just lacked. It lacked any aggression, like. I rode it well. I rode it smooth. I kind of hit pretty much everything I wanted to. I didn't really make any major mistakes, but there was no aggression. Like I wasn't hitting turns hard, wasn't fully committing to stuff. So I was a bit disappointed in myself for that. Um, But I think that just came from knowing that a a result there was gone and I was better getting round in one piece, really. Yeah, makes sense. And are you chasing, are we chasing results in two weeks' time? Are we, uh, what's your kind of. Not really. What's your kind of. I say gold, but what do you want out of the weekend? Success would be if I felt like I'd raced it rather than survived it, I'd be really happy. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, and totally. 
I mean, I'm doing it. I'm doing it with Cy from Kotick, and it's always lovely to beat your mates. Um, <laughs> I'd like to beat Cy. I'm sure he'd like to beat me. We're not dissimilar in our riding ability. He's probably a little bit fitter on the long days than I am. Um, I'm probably a, li- a little bit stronger, maybe. I don't know. So maybe don't fatigue as much on the bike. But yeah, ultimately just getting around, feeling like I've done myself justice and and actually raced it rather than just sort of having to roll around or cling on to get through it that makes sense yeah and you feel like hearing you speak about the one a couple of weeks ago it almost sounds like maybe you went round other than the freak crash road solid but didn't race so is that what i'm hearing yeah i guess so that's probably fair yeah it wouldn't it wasn't i i I was strong enough and fit enough to race that one Mm. because it's a bit shorter but yeah, after that crash, I don't feel like I raced as such. I got down and went at a reasonable pace, but it wasn't, yeah, there was no race kind of aggression to things. No, it makes sense. Sounds like we're kind of jumping on our first category, I would say, of like this kind of approach slash mindset to each kind of stage that you ride. Um, uh-huh. uh, we've literally just come home from Fort William, so it's hot on my mind from working with riders there and and, and a rider myself. But um, there's a certain approach that Fort William takes, and that approach is even slightly kind of uh, uh, different for each rider to get the, the best out of them, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But for a lot of that track, you can't kind of attack it, you know, like almost – and, and and some people would say that if you're not attacking, you're not racing, if you know what I mean, relating to your yeah. your race two weeks ago. So if you're in a in a so I suppose the 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 thought going forward into the race in a few weeks for you is how you can kind of like actually roll fast, like literally travel down the, the track fast, um, i.e. racing it, uh, but without getting too too attacky, if that makes sense. Um, yeah 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 and and that's and that again like i say would mean something different to you that it would to me to that it would to say that my mondraker team or whatever like it would it would mean something different to everybody but um especially in enduro how many stages will you have uh i think it's going to be five or six but the course will be revealed next week i believe okay and if, if i was to uh i don't know if you just think of your local trails I'm, I'm assuming a small hill. How, what sort of length tracks are your local trails? <laughs> like 20 or 30 seconds. Okay, and yeah. These, these, would be like, these would be five plus minutes at the sort of speed I'll be going, I think. So so when you go full attack on a 20 or 30 seconds day, uh, sorry, trail at home, how many mistakes do you normally make on that 20, 30 seconds? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, not too many because I know those trails pretty well, I guess. But the, the likelihood of making a mistake or getting offline is there. So I don't know, like one little issue per kind of run, I guess, where you're like, oh, that, that could have been better or could have been a bit tidier. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'll, I'll relate to myself for a minute, but I ride quite a lot of the Forest of Dean. And again, there might be more like about a minute uh, in the Forest of Dean. But you know, in that minute, I'm making two or three mistakes. I say mistakes, you know, not perfect moments, should we say, all the way down. And yeah. um, and uh, and then you relate to, you know, whether it's an EWS or a World Cup downhill and you suddenly got five minutes plus uh, of track. You know, if, if you're making three mistakes in one minute, then crikey, that's quite a lot over, over a, a long track. So... Yeah, yeah. Without needing to do the maths, it is just a lot. So I suppose that's the first thing, isn't it? Is getting finding that right balance, and it's the pain that every racer goes through. Surely, is finding that right balance of like how how much you push slash uh, how um, what approach you actually take to um, each of the stages. Um, that then sort of leads on to, I would say, like your when you do your uh, course walk, um, and some people have different approaches. This, do you plan to walk the full course, or, or what will what will you sort of do when you go? I won't. I won't do any walking of the course. I mean, I know the area reasonably well, so there's a good chance that I will have ridden at least some of the trails that are on the course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's obviously a full full practice day followed by the full race day. So I'll I'll take a GoPro for the practice day. So I've got that mm-hmm. footage should I need it um, or want it. 
Um, but yeah, I won't, I won't be doing any walking as such. No. I think, I mean, they, I'm not, I'm not used to learning trails of that length. So the chances of me remembering much other than kind of key points, I think where like you want to sh- change gears or make, or, or turns loads tighter than it looks or whatever, then I don't think I'm going to remember a huge amount. No, and that's what, that's exactly uh, the kind of next point really. And, and linking to this like mindset set slash approach um, thing we were just talking about. And that's like trying to, when you're doing your practice, you know, and, and watching it back on your GoPro, um, like trying to look for the approach that that stage requires. So mm-hmm. um, to give an example, I suppose if there's loads of support in all of the corners um, and uh, I, don't, I don't want to say bike parks, there's not going to be a stage like that, but, you know, if you if you feel like you can, you know, get away with um, – uh, carrying speed even if you come in a little bit too hot then naturally that the approach to that trail probably would be you know higher intensity uh, I don't like the term but a little bit closer to attacking the stage you know mm-hmm. not really not really thinking too much about your breaking points because obviously they're not going to matter so much it's more about just like let's just you know it's go time kind of thing um, yeah and if you if you you know if you've only got five or six stages then at least you can say right stage one that's where, you know, my more attack stage or word it however you want, but that's the one where you can really let yeah. it let it go. If then you've got a stage, which is going to be plenty of them, <laughs> uh, which are going to be a bit more techy, a bit tighter, um, then they're the ones where, you know, it's all going to be about maybe your breaking points, you know? So it's about mm-hmm. getting your breaking points right. Um, uh, so there's, you know, there's it's kind of almost planning your approach you're so I guess you're almost thinking strategically now are you it's a bit more about going okay so how how do I want to approach this stage as a whole and then sure there might be the odd turn that is slightly different within that but you've just got to raise your chances haven't you <laughs> um yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that is sport sport is about putting yourself in places to uh be able to get the most out of it or the highest chance to get the most out of it um in terms of your performance um so yeah so definitely thinking of those different approaches um uh going into each of the stages will help massively okay so yeah trying to work out i guess the characteristic of the stage and how best to ride it and those i mean there's i guess two different ends of the trails that require maybe a bit more patience like you're saying like braking's critical lines critical and then there's the other stages where you really do need to attack there's more support like how i guess by classifying them that's going to help in your mind with like how you feel at the bottom of a stage right if you if you knew that was a stage where you needed to be patient and it didn't feel super fast then maybe you're okay with that is that kind of what you're thinking like it helps your your mindset at the bottom of a stage rather than you know it's that whole thing of like a downhill race where you get two runs and you put your banker run in first and then you do your run where you go all in and you feel like you've gone so much quicker and it's actually slower. I guess it's that like, how do you, yeah, how do you get that feel for whether the stage was a success or not when you get to the bottom? Because you're, that's the kind of momentum that you carry into the rest of the day, right? If, if you get to the bottom of the stage and you're happy, mm-hmm. the next stage is going to go well. Like how, how do you keep the ball rolling in a positive way throughout the day? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I would like I have this thing and that's this is like in runs as well as at the bottom of runs when you're you've got many on your hands like a like an enduro um is almost this kind of like don't dwell on the past like uh-huh. in other words like analysis of runs and analysis of your riding is um <clears throat> absolutely brilliant to do but wait until the Tuesday kind of thought you know <laughs> like let let the emo- yeah. let the emotion come off and calm down a little bit and uh and then analyze so i'd say um yeah full analysis wouldn't do but naturally i think what you're talking about is actually can you get to the bottom and go oh, feel a bit feel a bit good about yourself you know kind of happy it went well and i think that does yeah. come back to your um you know whether you pick the right approach you know if you pick the right approach not just picked 
but then delivered on that approach, then fine. You know, if you if you went into a stage and and the and by approach, you know, another example, I realized we only gave kind of two, which is like sort of high intensity and low intensity, but another one might be that it's very obvious that on a certain trail that most of the time you want the high lines or the inside lines. Mm-hmm. Like it sort of often runs a certain way like that down a whole trail. So, you know, it may be like this is the high line trail, you know, with it. So whenever I come into a into a turn look high and it, i probably won't be too far wrong you know um so then it'll be you know then the quick analysis at the bottom is have you picked the right one and did you deliver on that one and if if you did be pleased with yourself you've done what the best you can and uh, um on you go to stage two yeah okay how about confidence because <clears throat> it you know confidence is a great way to feel on the bike have you got any thoughts on the best way to like approach the the makeup of the week or the weekend to come into race day with the best chance of having that confident feeling? Yeah, yeah. I mean, confidence is a broad category, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like you know, there's a, there's kind of a thousand. I guess it means many different things to different people, but as well, there's loads of different ways to get there. Um, there's not like there's not the golden kind of ticket to confidence, is there? It's not like do this, you will be confident. But the thing I always attach confidence tr- to, the word I always attach it to, is trust. So if you're starting uh-huh. to build trust in your you as a rider, um, uh, the, the trail itself, and you know, let's say the trail conditions, you know, the grip levels, kind of thing, uh, and then actually trusting, you know, your bike, um, then if you have trust in those things, then you, you, you will be more confident. Um, mm-hmm. so things like through practice, you know, if you get all nervous and go out like a madman through practice and crash five times, confidence is probably down. In fact, definitely down. <laughs> We've all been yeah. there, you know, like you, 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 your confidence is going to be down, but because you're going to be trusting yourself less, you're like, crikey, if I crash five times in practice, what's going to happen when we come to the, the race kind of thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know, again, if you're having loads of mechanicals, you know, there's the, you're going to lose trust in your bike or not just mechanicals. If your bike doesn't feel nicely sort of set up for the terrain, then that's going to impact your confidence. Um, uh, you know, we've spoken about fitness earlier and being confident in, in your fitness, you know, again, trusting your fitness. So yeah, for me, linking it to the trust so therefore if you think about it when you go into the weekend chris you want to try to build more and more trust in all of those those elements okay um i remember years ago when i first started riding like some of the um yeah bigger tracks and and things in europe and i remember me and my friend going out there and and like each each round we do like an ISS cup or whatever each round we do one of us would crash in the on sort of the morning of day two which is the day before the race uh on this big track and on these big tracks it really blooming hurts when you crash and and, and, <laughs> yeah. and we and we'd always say like we've just literally put ourselves back a day you know we're we're now we're now worse off than i felt yesterday in terms of in uh, terms of confidence sure i know the lines better and sure you know the way down better and the conditions and those things but in terms of confidence it's now it's now been knocked kind of thing my trust has now been lowered so um i would say what you want to try to do is make sure and you you build to your peak through the weekend so that's okay build your trust in self how you're riding your bike so on those categories um, through the weekend so that you're at your highest trust therefore highest confidence come come the stages you know mm-hmm. so do you, do you think kind of riding practice at a relatively chilled pace is a good thing then in that or maybe a building pace throughout that practice so that you're you're riding well within your limits because I, I guess you i mean it's good to ride them at a fast pace because then you get a feel for how they're going to race but mm-hmm. is there is there something to be said for like a bit more of a gentle approach through that first practice day um knowing you as a person knowing you as a rider i would say yes um but this is di- you know knowing also this is a podcast that many people will listen to i think it's about picking the right thing for you um Mm-hmm. So, uh, I you know you only have to watch the EWS to see different riders taking those different approaches to practice. So some of them 
feel like they want to go really fast, push the limits, and um, and sort of get away with it. It's a very reactive way of riding. Um, so, uh-huh. uh, you know, ability and talent and bike handling skills have to be very, very high to be able to do that, and and uh, awareness of you know of uh, vision. So. Um, whereas other riders, it's more about, okay, learn what's underneath you, like learn, learn the, 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 the way down, you know, and, and build from there. Again, going back to you, I would say like, actually try to just build a bit of flow, build a bit of rhythm to the trail. Um, uh-huh. and, the, and then from that rhythm, you can then slightly up the tempo, if you like, when you get to, um, uh, when you get to the race. But if you haven't learned okay. with the rhythm of a trail, um, I think it's very hard to then up your speed. You end up just in attack, but it will be frantic attack rather than like like actually working the trail attack, if that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, I guess so. So yeah, getting to a pace where you're kind of at the the speed at which that trail starts to feel right to starts to flow so you're not kind of below that where it doesn't really make sense you got to get to the point where the trail yeah like every every trail has a sort of speed window in which it works right yeah definitely but i suppose and and that is definitely the case but probably what i mean is more of like the timing of a trail so if you like okay. if you like the the distances <laughs> um Hopefully this makes sense, really. It's something I work with a few riders on. But the distance between, say, a corner, say your breaking point coming into a corner, um, the corner itself, and then the distance from that corner to through a section to the next breaking point to another corner, that doesn't change, does it? So in terms of rhythm of the trail, that stays the same. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Uh, like the, the, whether you go really, really slow or really, really fast, the, the, the sort of percentage uh, – uh, time between going around the corner and going along the straights should stay the same if you've got the right rhythm if you've got the right uh timing to to a trail what you can then do once you've found that rhythm um you know and people can have rhythm who are slow riders and people can have rhythm who are fast riders um the only difference is then the tempo so it's how the the just reducing the percentage of time there in each of those bits so the corner yeah the straight and and all the bits in between so, so yeah, try to, I would, I would really focus on like finding your, your rhythm, finding your timing with the trail and, and you are right there. There is still a certain speed. You're too slow and you, it's hard to even feel or find the timing at all. Yeah. Um, but find your kind of timing to the trail. And then once you've done that, you can then just up that timing, um, for the race. And that's the hardest thing to do, okay. mate, is like, up the because t- <laughs> like, <laughs> I find it hard, but it's like, yeah, you know, suddenly the rhythm goes out the window, and we're all just bundling down the hill, trying to go as fast as we can. When actually, yeah. like, keep to the rhythm, but the uh, up the timing. <clears throat> oh, sorry, up the, okay. spe- up the speed. Got you. And are there <clears throat> like are there particular goals that you would recommend putting in place for that practice day? Like things that can be ticked off throughout or at the end of the day again to help build that confidence that right, okay, we're in the right spot here. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, relating to the sort of couple of things we've just spoken about, I would say make those your your goals, you know, like uh, you want to go down that trail knowing the timing of the trail and knowing the approach to the trail. We haven't actually said knowing every single line because as you say, mm. reality over six stages you're probably not going to know every single line. It's not like in no. downhill where we won't know every single line, we'll know every single piece of dust going into every single line you know like it's yeah. it's a very different thing isn't it so um sure you'll start recog- you'll recognize some bits as you come to them but um yeah if you think of those if those goals they're very simple and very achievable goals to practice that yeah. that you're not really stressing about stuff are you you're not you're not like trying to overly remember you know and you can very easily put it into your phone or whatever and just put you know stage one approach is x um uh, i guess obviously you can't write down the timing but you know the the timing is something that's hopefully you can build into you how you're feeling kind of thing on the trail Mm -hmm. um so yeah two very very simple goals um uh uh and you can't go wrong can you yeah i guess even if 
even if what you write down or have in your head is not right, it's going to make you feel good, right? That you've done it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's irrespective of what's on the bit of paper or in your head for those things. If you feel like you've done them, that's going to help, I think. And isn't isn't that isn't that exactly another way to like build confidence is to like dampen down your overly like overly high emotions if you know what I mean mm-hmm. and in other words if you're yeah. on track going down a trail stressing about every morsel of rock and all the rest of this that you know come tomorrow you're going to forget you know or like yeah. even if you film all of the bits which you will on your GoPro but maybe, you know like there's this like you're actually causing high emotion aren't you and high mm-hmm. you're, you're you're turning yourself into that point where you're just going to overly worry and actually yeah the trick and and this is what especially i work with my riders on the Montreka team is to try to like get them in a place where only worry about the things that are worth it if you know what i mean because yeah some of them some of them aren't aren't they it's uh um yeah so yeah simplify i mean you know this from business uh chris you know like simple goals you know like smart goals and 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 make it like very very like uh yeah like i say as non-emotional as you can then you can just tick them off and you can go into the evening and and this is probably another point really another i guess not necessarily category but knowing when to stop thinking yeah okay um (laughs) yeah you know like which is hard for me oh mate it's hard i'd say it's hard for everybody you know we're at a race and you wake up at seven o'clock or whatever and the first thing you're thinking of is your bike set up, which tires you're going to run because oh, you've looked out the window and there's a bit of rain overnight and, and, and what lines you're going to do. And oh, I'm worried about whether you're going to crack all these, all these things are suddenly like straight away on your mind. And you find that evening after practice, it's 10 o'clock at night and you're still, those same things are going through your mind and maybe more because you've now seen the track and, and you're, you're thinking even more about the, Oh, I was, I was quite scared of the steep bit or whatever you're going to, you know, you're going to have, you know, that the big jump you, that you, you want to make sure you do and all this, that, and the other. And so <clears throat> the thing that can weigh you out more than, um, than all the other things is, uh, than even pedaling up the hills is, uh, is, is overthought. So it's like, yeah. you know, your mind energy. So, yeah, so I would definitely be like, coming back to it, you've kept your goals and, and objectives, should we say, like nice and simple through the day. You've achieved them. Yeah, put some time at the end of the day to have a little think about stuff, you know, like if you've got time before dinner or, you know, without knowing your schedule, but put it in, have a little think, watch your GoPros, write some notes if you want to write, if you're that type of person. And, you know, that bit like that, at the end of the day at work, Chris, shut the laptop <laughs> and uh, go and think about something else, you know? Interesting. Yeah, maybe find something to do that takes your mind off it, Like, I guess. Totally. You know, cr- crack the board games out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone's different. Unfortunately, a lot of people just turn Instagram on to turn, the, turn their minds off it, which might not be uh, <laughs> the best thing nowadays. But, you know, even like a Netflix or, you know, something. Yeah. I mean, there's nice, there's like a good podcast I know that are quite good to listen to, but. <laughs> <laughs> not not sure about that. Uh, one more thing that I kind of, that is, bu- is bugging me, I guess. In my head, the visualization of the event is beautiful, sunny, dry trails. Mm-hmm. And I know I can ride those trails in those conditions. Reality is it's Scotland. Anything can happen. We could well have some rain. It could well be quite wet. Mm. And um, those trails can get a bit more interesting. You know, certainly some of the routes and things that uh, are out on the trails there these days can can catch you out. And that sort of freaks me out a little bit. But there's obviously a pretty good chance of that happening. I can't control that. But are there are there any kind of techniques or any ways to to think about that that might help me be a bit less, I guess, nervous for it? Like I think I'll really like. I could feel the tension rising in my body if I know that I've got to go and do a wet day of racing there versus a dry day. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. I was I popped in on the way up to Fort William the other day, and it was uh, it was dry on the day, but they'd had a lot of rain and uh, uh, yeah, loads of routes. And it's quite interesting there, isn't it? Because you're going quite fast, and then there'll suddenly be some routes like in wrong places on wrong angles that just kind of kick you <laughs> yeah. about, don't they? So uh, can totally totally comprehend. Your questioner, I suppose, was about like whether, what to think about um, uh, rather than what to do, I suppose, is, uh, if I've heard you right. so um, Yeah, I guess so, because 
I feel like I can still ride it, but I feel like I'll get I'll get tight and I'll get and that'll just make things a lot worse than it actually is. Yeah, yeah. And it does, you're right. Like, you know, and that's the what to do stuff, isn't it? You know, keep your shoulders low, breathe well, look past the blooming things. Once you've seen them, again, don't stare at them for too long, you know. Um <laughs> Uh, hop them when you if 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 you can be in the air you know get away from the bloody things you know is is yeah. is a natural thing if you can hit them more square hit them square um uh, unfortunately there's sometimes the slower line there is going slightly round some of them i remember i not knowing the stages and i went round a few the other day and i sort of thought well i should have hopped that because i've had way more speed into this next bit but so you know uh, naturally there's all of that but the other thing is then the thinking bit it's about you I mean you've done it already like expect it <laughs> you know like yeah, okay. actually like expect that like there is a good chance that um like you say it's going to be wet and they are going to be very slippery so um expectations is definitely one thing in terms of your um uh, your thinking mm-hmm. um uh yeah that's probably the the biggest one really it's it's a, i'm trying to think about your what you, your question more there about this kind of thinking bit but how nervous are you of them like how uh like i just i guess it i know that it just makes the day a lot more challenging mm-hmm. like i think both mentally emotionally and physically mm-hmm. like you i'll tighten up which uses energy mm-hmm. I'll ride worse. I'll be on each stage for longer mm-hmm. because I'm not riding as well and the conditions aren't, aren't as good. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm already, I already have a concern about the amount of, or like the fitness that I have to do two big back to back days. Mm-hmm. If the, if the conditions are rough, that's just going to push that, that little bit harder mm-hmm. and the likelihood of crashes and all that sort of stuff goes up, I guess. So I, I, I think I'm pretty confident I can ride those stages relatively well if it's dry um and relatively safely if it's dry and then i think that changes with wet conditions does that help yeah yeah no i do know exactly what you mean um so the other thing goes back to that like like naturally staying relaxed and the shoulders low which we've said but not um uh don't like i would say don't like push yourself too much if you know what i mean like like you, you how do you say this but you know like everybody's got a certain level if you know what i mean so there's going to be those top boys like jack and the rest of those which you know uh, probably won't even look at the roots or (laughs) impact them um so but they will still ride them to the level that they can ride them if you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. you know try to really think about like riding them at your level like and i mean that both ways like don't suddenly think you're a hero and think that you can gap something that you've kind of never gapped before, but in race you think it's the most important thing to do. So you'll try and gap these routes, not clear them, slide out and end up crashing, yeah. knocking your confidence and trust, which as we've already spoken about. Uh, yeah. You know, a- actually just try to ride at the best of your of your level. Um, I, I sometimes say like, although you learn a lot about racing, you learn when you race, you learn a lot about racing, but a lot of that's, that learning is done subconsciously or post event. So in your analysis, right. Um, Mm -hmm. you don't learn how to race better in a race, (laughs) you know, you don't learn your, your riding, you as a rider will not improve per se in the race that's done, you know, in, in, in the riding that you've done recently and, and over the, well, in in all of the riding that you've done up until this date, you know, you are, you, you turn up, the rider that you are you don't magically turn into jack noir on the day you know <laughs> what unfortunately not, that's not what i signed up for <laughs> i know i'm trying to build your confidence but unfortunately <laughs> that's a reality um so uh but you know joking aside we all do it you know you end up at an event you're at, uh, with those people with those top people and then you, you try to become them overnight so, so uh, although we went off at a bit of a tangent there, coming back to what you were talking about with these routes and these technical sections, actually, you know, you know yourself, do ride them how you can ride them. And then there's, there's no pressure. Like I almost, when I hear you speak a minute ago, I hear like a, like a pressure on yourself. It's like, oh, I'm, you know, these routes and you've, there's like a, a self kind of must do them. But 
actually, you ride them every time you ride. I'm sure most of the time you ride it's wet anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, just do the same again. Like it's, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just like that. I don't know if you want, I can give you an example, actually, of um, a text I had from Laurie in Fort William on the weekend, which is probably uh-huh. a subject we'll yeah. speak a bit about, but. He, if he's comfortable with that being shared. Yeah, I'm sure he will because he he was he went fastest in quality by quite a bit. You know, it's two, three seconds up kind of thing. And he texted me, he said, How yeah. how hard do I now push in my race? You know, it was like and but like in other words, because he felt like it was quite a relaxed, quite a chilled run, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and uh, you know, one of the kind of simple answers was almost just stay the same in terms of how you push or just do a little bit more of whatever approach you'd taken on that run, which is mm-hmm. which wasn't difficult for him. And it wasn't difficult because it was the same approach he takes when he's back home training or okay. riding. And it's the same approach. You know, it's he didn't do anything different. And so that he was question yeah. he was saying, should I now go and do something different, you know, like to make sure I win this, you know, and it was actually like, well, you spent all these years building this certain way of riding that you think is fast. So carry on with that for today, you know, and yeah. and then if, if that certain way of riding isn't fast, then you come home and you, then you go and look and find another way of riding that is fast, you know? So yeah. um, for you, it's the same, you know, same advice, you know, you, you, you've, you've done this much, you've ridden a certain way, you've, you've done your various training and practice. So just, just don't, don't change, you know, don't, don't try to find the piece of magic because there's there's no magic out there, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because there's this there's this thing that you go ride, there's no pressure, it's all good, it's easy, it's fun, and then you say race, <laughs> and it, your immediate response is, "Well, I have to change, I have to go faster, I have to step up, I have to I have to push." And I think what you're saying is maybe you don't have to do that; you have to be comfortable riding at your best and not trying to ride beyond your best maybe totally in fact uh, you know i i had the same example um or similar but um uh, in terms of what we're talking about the same uh with eleonora on the weekend to on montreal because she did absolutely amazing came fourth and she she was very very nervous and as i'm sure everybody was come race day you know big event um lots of spectators, all of this, that, and the other. And, you know, it's exactly the same conversation. It was like, well, you, even this weekend alone, you know, you're, you're, you're 10 or 15 runs deep or whatever, and they've all sort of gone all right. So just do an, go and do another one of them and then see what the time says, you know. Um, so, yeah, say, uh, and you could go back from there, you know, and all of her training, you know, it's all going all right, so just carry on. But, yeah, yeah, like I say, there's no um, – there were plenty of rainbows at Fort William, but there was no like magical kind of like <laughs> part of like how you're going to change what you currently do. And and if you look no. actually, look at Omare, fair play to him, incredible run and a great win. But if you look like, you know, he, he just looked like Omare, which is not just because it's absolutely insane, but, it, you know, he just did the same as what he did. You know, he didn't wake up that day and suddenly do something different to you know, I've ne- I've known, don't know him well, but you know, seen him around and obviously at the races for many years now. And he's, you know, he's just sort of the same guy. He's making tweaks and changes to his approach, ge- gentle tweaks and changes to his approach. But um, yeah. yeah, he didn't wake up that day and just suddenly go fast at Fort William. And <laughs> yeah, third third win at Fort William in a row. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, that well, way, yeah. So yeah, exactly. Knows knows how to execute. Well, yeah, let's chat a little bit about, well, first off, thank you. That is really helpful and, uh, and gives me some good stuff to think about and some approaches to take uh, for the race. And actually the thought of just doing what you normally do rather than having to up the level because it says race is a, is kind of quite a nice thing to help take the pressure away a little bit and probably ride better as a result. So thank, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I'm interested to hear a bit about your 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 work with Mondraker because that's sort of slightly different. I mean, you've you've worked with them or alongside them with Laurie when he was there in in previous seasons, but that's changed a little bit. You're you're a listed rider on the team now. You're spending uh, your time at the events up the hill and and uh, and actually getting some track time in, doing a lot of work with Eleonora. 
just tell us a little bit about that the setup there and kind of how it's been going and and, and what you've been up to this year because it looks like you're having a lot of fun with the team and getting stuck into it yeah so we um the team obviously we had a few changes obviously with Laurie leaving um and bringing in Dave Trummer and Tahuto uh two absolutely incredible riders and 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 lovely blokes um so we brought in those guys lost a lorry and then in sort of win um pre-season winter meetings there was a bit of discussion about kind of my role and and what it was you know and naturally like i like to see myself as a coach right that, that's what i've done kind of all my life whether it's in mountain biking or not but you sort of get you get tarnished with a line scout or line spotter kind of brush a little bit don't you kind of thing and and that is one really important part of the rider's performance is the lines they take but as we've just been speaking about you know it, actually it's as much about making sure that they trust themselves that they're confident that they're planning correctly the right approach that they're going to take for the race which actually has nothing to do with the line they're taking kind of thing you know so so um so we spoke a little bit about that and about how we could kind of like make help me help them do 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 that you know and and, and make those those um those correct sort of plans so within that um they kind of said that maybe we could put me on track especially with with ellie because um uh with her she's unfort un- you know for brooke and dave and tohuto they they have each other they have that kind of support don't they you know they they yeah. chase each other down or whatever they want to do follow each other and and talk to each other on the lift but for ellie it's a little bit more of an isolated role um uh she you know even if she had a junior with her you know it's still it's still quite isolated because the junior is on their program and she's on her program which are very different different stages of their careers so um it was discussed about me going on you know, on track and supporting her actually, you know, on track, which obviously um, I can't remember who I idea was. I think I raised it, but it was kind of a bit of a joint decision between Lucas and myself. And when we spoke to the riders about it, um, they jumped at the chance, you know, Ellie jumped at the chance because she had that support. But then the the men, you know, uh, Brooke and Dave and Tahuto were kind of like, oh, actually, this makes sense because at least you, when you're trackside for us, you're going to relate a little bit more to what's going on. You know, you're not just going to say go yeah. high or low. You can actually relate to it. And, you know, even I can report back to the mechanics about certain sort of, I say settings, everyone has different settings because of different riders, but certain sort of uh, themes that the track is 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 sending the bike and, and things like this. Um, you know, I can get GoPros and give them to the riders at the end of my practice. So... Yeah, so we thought we'd throw me back on track, which um, uh, obviously good fun for me, um, uh, and uh, and kind of helps them with all of those objectives, kind of thing. So, yeah, that was the kind of that was the the main change that we made uh, going into it, um, which is definitely different for downhill. I know it's not it's a new thing, right? Yeah, definitely. It must be, like you say, really, really good for Eleonora to have someone to ride with in those practice sessions. Is that, is that kind of relationship developed? Is that, has that been lucrative? It looks like it in the results. Totally as Yeah. We, we, we've been, we're still sort of learning. Obviously I've done two rounds, but we've been practicing our kind of process, our practice process in, in training days and team camps and stuff before, because, you know, it's kind of like, how much should she follow where which is following's good but then you know you're just reacting to what i'm doing rather than learning the track uh so there's there's been we have we've had you know we've had to sort of like adapt and change some things a little bit there um uh to make sure it kind of works but yeah fundamentally it's great she finds that she ends up um clearing all the jumps and getting the sort of difficult lines done a lot quicker um good so in lords i think she was the first one first female to get over all the big jumps um in lords which was mega and again back to that trust and confidence thing that we spoke about earlier she was i mean she was absolutely buzzing from that you know 
As was I. Yeah. They were quite big jumps. I was a bit scared myself, to be fair. Um, <laughs> had to put the confident face on. But, yeah, they were quite quite roomy jumps out at Dunny Lords. Um, and same in Fort William, you know, like things like the stump gap. I don't think there was many of the women doing the stump gap, which just before the motorway yeah. section. And, um, yeah, I was I, actually I used a bit of an old school tactic, coaching tactic on that by just telling her she could do it rather than, <laughs> rather than <laughs> giving her any advice on how to do it. So it was a bit of a sort of, you're doing it kind of thing um yeah but yeah you know we're on track and and getting her keeping her confident uh helping her over the jumps and then um uh and then once she's sort of got the once she's on going then i'll go behind her and then i can just feed back on the approach she's taking and um and the lines obviously that she's taking uh on track cool do you think we'll see more of that sort of stuff happening in teams I don't know. I thought I was going to see more of it this year, to be fair, but um, yeah, not sure. There's, there's, there's. Um, I mean, being brutally honest, Common Cell have probably done it for years, really. Just haven't really been so vocal about it. I don't think, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I guess it takes it. It takes the right rider, I suppose. It's like, you know, if somebody's if somebody's in the prime of their career, a really fast rider, they're they're not going to want to go and, you know they're going to want to be chasing their own goals aren't they kind of thing. you know if they're good enough yeah, if they're good yeah, enough to yeah. race world cups should we say are they going to want to be chasing their own their own goals within within it rather than helping somebody else um but they've still is, got- is it hard for you to separate that then to like forget about you know because we're all everyone has a bit of a competitive thing in them and you know you've been putting in qualifying runs and obviously you've got that opportunity to see how you stack up against the world's best on a saturday or friday depending on what's going on is it is it kind of hard for you to leave that aside and focus on i guess kind of what you're paid to do which is to to help the team rather than to to work on your own stuff does that make sense um is it hard so it's not hard because I'm confident in my objectives, i.e. I'm confident that my objectives are to help the riders win, right? My, yeah. my goal, uh-huh. I am at that event and my goal is to help naturally Ellie being on track, but then feedback and then obviously go track side for the boys. So um, mm-hmm. so for me, it's not hard in that in, in terms of that. It's that that's my job. I've got my clear objectives and as long as, like in any job you have clear objectives it's an easy you know not easy yeah. <laughs> i'd like to say it's easy but you know it's like it's easy to at least it's clear it's clear yeah. yeah and you can stay on track um uh is it hard that like <laughs> you know when you do quality run you're like you haven't like sort of practiced for yourself yeah like naturally i'm probably yeah. you know yeah i'm probably i'd like to think i'm probably not running as fast in my quality run as i would if i was out there on my own but um uh-huh. but it wouldn't make that much difference to me and that's not it doesn't matter you know i i probably i mean yeah, yeah. i may not do any more of the quality runs i did i did lords and that was pointless because it was a brand new track to me and uh i only did it because the atmosphere was good uh, i did fort bill because it's my home one um and obviously you know the track um and yeah i might do a couple others if i get chance but that you know it's pure like it's quite simple I, when i go i'll do other races national races and some europeans and that'll be for me and i'll go and work on my stuff and my speed and my mm-hmm. stuff but otherwise it's just a really cool job to have isn't it it's a very cool job to have and and your quality time at fort william was was pretty good eh <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah depends who you're comparing it to Ninety <laughs> <laughs> 91st 91st yeah yeah i can't complain yeah yeah, yeah exactly it was uh it's all right i suppose yeah, not a million miles away from the 60th. No, no. Although I think I'd lose my job if I went 60th because I can't go into Group A practice. I need to be in Group B for, for Ellie. So I don't know how that would work. <laughs> Tacti- tactically staying out the back there, I think, Chris, is the plan. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and how, uh, how are Tohoto and, uh, and David settling into the team because they're the new faces within the Mondraker setup this year? Yeah, really well. They're... Um, uh dave very methodical very um you know we'll think about every single millimeter of the bike so you have great discussions with him uh on that side of things you know and he he supports the team in that i would say as well as uh, his own stuff so yeah uh quietly gets on with his methodical approach is probably dave you know um to huto uh he, he's uh i mean 
when he doesn't smile, I worry because he seems to always <laughs> smile. So, so like we were on track side uh, for at one point, and he wasn't smiling. And I was, you know, I thought, I thought something must be up, you know, <laughs> which it wasn't. He just <laughs> obviously can't smile twenty four seven. So, uh, just a lovely lad. He's had un- he's had a bit of unlucky crash through. Um, uh, he crashed at Taruka, which is a pre-season race. Yeah, put him out of Lords, uh, and then he punctured at Fort Williams. So he's kind of like got the big ride, uh, you know, on yeah. the factory team, but has had a bit of an unlucky start. But um, he's young; he's enjoying it. He is still smiling. I saw him smiling just last night. And uh, <laughs> once it once it all comes together, once he sort of finds his uh, rhythm a little bit in the within the team and stuff, he'll be uh, he'll be flying for sure. Good stuff. And you've still got your working relationship with Laurie as well, right? You're still still helping him kind of alongside the work with Mondraker? Yeah, yeah. Um, still work with Laurie. Naturally not at the races. Like he's, uh, uh, you know, line spotting and stuff like that is covered by someone called Steve Pete, who's, I think, fairly qualified for the role. Um, yeah, it rings a bell. You must have heard of him. Um, so, yeah, no, at the races, obviously I'm working for Mondraker, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, pre-race, pre-season stuff, I still work with Laurie on a multitude of things around, uh, you know, the planning and uh, uh, both sort of winter and summer planning and individual race planning. So all about kind of the strategy, I guess you could call it, or tactical approach. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, also helping with like the setup side of things. Like Lee is his mechanic and does, owns that. But more stuff that Laurie and I would do is like more like setup education. So like, We'll okay. just try weird and wonderful things, which I think sometimes is maybe his mechanic isn't so, or team isn't so happy about. But I think longer <laughs> term they are more happy because Laurie get is getting a better. I well no, Laurie has got a much better understanding now since a few years ago of like what does what with the bike, so which direction uh-huh. he needs to take, kind of thing. So um, yeah, yeah. That that is a constant and never-ending learning. Like, and he'd admit that, and I'd like to hope that every rider would admit it. But um, yeah, he's very in tune with the bike now, and the, has the right language, I think, to be able to work uh, in a more efficient way with his mechanic. So yes, yeah, so we do like that sort of like again. I guess at the end of the day, I'm a coach, right? So call it an educator. So it's all about like broadening someone's awareness and knowledge more than it is mm-hmm. necessarily just physically setting up a bike or whatever yeah okay and a busy winter i guess with him getting used to the the new setup because there's a lot of change from that to where he is now yeah yeah for sure yeah very busy winter he's uh i don't think there's anybody on the circuit who hasn't noticed how hard he's worked this winter you know it's uh uh-huh. it it a few years ago, it was always me being the person pushing him to make sure we had a meeting to discuss something or make sure we planned something or make sure whatever. And and I have to say this winter has been a couple of times where uh, I've tried to fit on his level. In other words, try to like rein in my, the, um, uh, what's the word? The, I don't want to use the word professionalism because he's always a professional, but do you know what I mean? Rain in that, and he and he's been on me. He's been bringing me, saying we need to have that meet. We need to sort this out. We need to sort that. So it's uh, uh, it's been good to see, and clearly, yeah. you know, I guess the result on the weekend uh, kind of evidenced that. Yeah, that must have been an interesting weekend for you to be a part of, right? Because you and Laurie have, have have known each other a long time. You're not just work colleagues, but you know, your good friends mm. as well. How was it kind of, I mean, he really was, he was the the man of the weekend, I guess, from the get-go, big grin on his face, <laughs> some swagger there from, from you know, a positive result at BDS. It, Yeah, he just looked like the man that was destined to take that win over the over the duration of the weekend, really. Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, it was awesome. But um, yeah, I didn't, I had no, like, it's quite funny. I had no urge to go and see him. Like I've, uh, I feel like I've sort of sit into, you know, my job and uh, on the weekend was working with the Mondraker riders, you know, and like, so I had my involvement both practically and emotionally with those guys. Um, uh-huh. But obviously I couldn't miss what was going on uh, with Laurie, you know, like we saw him do well at the national, we saw him do well in time training. We saw him do well in, in um, then quali. So, you know, not, you can't, you can't miss it kind of thing. But um, no, I, yeah. I, I let him go on with it. You know, like I feel like there was enough, 
there's at one point I really wanted to like just give him some words, but I was like, I knew that he'd know what I was going to say, and he and I knew that <laughs> he'd probably say it to me if you know what I mean. Like there was like we've worked long enough and know long enough about when track is doing X, we need to do Y, and when yeah. you know whatever. So uh, like it, it was actually I felt quite comfortable that nothing needed to be said, and I knew let's be honest, there was probably going to be a thousand people giving him the wise words. So like it was. Um, yeah, I'm a big believer. You don't need too many people, you know. As long as the as long as the job gets done, as long as somebody has the support yeah. they require, it doesn't matter whether it's me or somebody else, kind of thing. So, yeah, I was confident in what he was doing. He was a bit unlucky in his run, wasn't he? But um, still, yeah, he said he made a mistake somewhere. Do you know where that was? Uh, yeah, just in the on that like in the woods, that bit just before the drop, uh, the road crossing mm-hmm. drop. Um, yeah. I, I, I tried watching it back this morning actually, but couldn't see it. But I think there was one small mistake in the right hander with the rut that had started about three meters further up the hill than where it was. Yeah. Uh, but then it looked like there, I think there was another mistake as he then or connected to that mistake uh, as he went on to the the wood for the drop. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it cost him it cost him a little bit of time there and uh, and maybe the win. But it's funny because he's naturally so he's obviously happy he came third right you know one of his better yeah. world cup results but he's also disappointed because he, he knew that he could win it and the biggest thing that um i think and that we've spoken about since is that the first thing you got to do is make sure you're in the group of people that can win it and when i yeah. when i mean the group of people i mean at that event so like naturally there you know as we've all we all say oh, there's probably about 15 people that can win it leading up to the event but when you actually get there you know that soon gets cut down to about three or four riders probably that like yep. are in that group so once you're in that three or four rider group you've got a you know say there's four of you got a 25 percent chance of winning because there's we know that luck is involved in sport right so yep. you make your own luck by putting yourself into that group because if you're out of that group then you've maybe got a 5% chance of winning it or whatever, you know, a lot lower chance. Um, yeah. So put yourself into that, that group and then um, and then you will win one. So if you're in that group very regularly, which, you know, being honest, Pyrion is, is normally in that group, you know? Yeah. Bruni, normally in that group. You know, those two, because they're, they're normally in that group, they're normally taking, they're, they're taking more wins, aren't they? Um, For sure. I- and I guess you wouldn't necessarily have put Laurie in that group on that track before, right? No, definitely not. No, and 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 being honest, although probably people who work close with him have put him in that group for many many years. Like the the reality is, probably even if you look at last year, you know, like he was always like just just outside that group. You know, like if, uh-huh. everyone was looking at Loris, Fergier, for example, at all the races, and it was all about, oh, Loris this, Loris that, Loris, 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 you know? And I was thinking, well, Loris is as good as him. Why are they not talking about him, you know? and yeah. But I think now, uh, this year, that's, you know, especially if he can do the same again at Leo Gang, it's, it's going to be, oh, Laurie this, Laurie that, you know, as, as much as it is Loris or as much as it is Omare or, uh, or Bruni yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So. And that's a psychological battle won in both directions, really, isn't it? You get the buoyancy that that creates because people are like talking about you. But also if the other riders are watching what you're doing and not con- concentrating on their own programs because they're worrying about what Laurie or what Loris are doing, then that's kind of deteriorating their strength, I guess, in a way. So putting yourself in that group early on, which he's definitely cemented himself into now, is uh, it's got to be a good place to be, yeah? Yeah, definitely, yeah. It happened, and thinking about it, it happened in uh, Val de Sol last year, you know, like there was, although there was a big group going into the event, actually, you don't have to be at the event too long to know it was pretty much the right, from track side, it was Greg, Laurie, Reese, Loris were like the, the, the four that were just riding the track differently, you know, and you kind of had a bit of a sign that they were, the, they, they, they've put themselves in that, in that sort of group of, of potential winners kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, so he and you know and any other riders have got they've that's their first task, isn't it? Is get there regularly, and then like wins will come because you your your ball will get picked out of the bag if you know what I mean. Your numbers will yeah. will be taken, kind of thing. For sure, yeah, it's going to be an exciting 
uh, rest of the season because we get into the get into the real bulk of it now. Yeah, it gets going. Yeah, really exciting now, isn't it? Yeah, last sort of little bit of rest, I guess. Now that's for staff and riders. You know, it's uh, yeah. uh, before Leah Gang, and then um, big breath and off we go. I think is probably how to describe it. Yeah, it's going to be a busy rest of the year, but an exciting one for sure. Yeah, definitely. we've got some uh, some serious talent uh, in the Mondraker squad and with Laurie to to keep an eye on as well. So. I think it's going to be a fun year for you, right? Oh, really fun. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, yes, it's, uh, uh, they're just good people to work with, aren't they? You know, I guess that's the, the one benefit about working within cycling and within mountain biking and within downhill even is, you know, that you're working with just awesome people who want to like better themselves, if you know what I mean. Like, and uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't question anyone's like, like want, if you know what I mean. And, uh, you know, maybe talking of one, speaking about a Brooke McDonald, like he was so, so unlucky, like on the weekend with the, uh, the puncture as were many others. Sure. Um, uh, but my God, when, when the, like, you know, like the snowball effect kind of thing, he, he's unfortunately been on a bit of a downward snowball, I suppose, with, you know, a bit of, um, uh, it didn't, he didn't feel himself at the first round and a bit of a crash here and, but when that snowball turns around, like I think it will pick up very, very quickly. You know, it, people probably wouldn't notice, but if you looked at split times over the past couple of years, since his injury, obviously, you know, if you looked at split yeah. times of Brooke, like when he's on it, it'll be the fastest split, you know? So for him, it's, you know, just sorting out a little bit of, little bit of that luck, but starting to build that uh, trust in himself again, which uh, to be fair, he actually started having again this weekend before the puncture um so when he yeah when he can start building again from there um it will be another it'll be a dangerous uh dangerous player i mean nobody rides as fast as brooke (laughs) no exactly and it'll be ace to see him put put a run together for sure it's got to happen at some point hasn't it it's coming so that'll be good totally yeah the fans will love it won't they as well so yeah 100%. 100%. All right. Good stuff, man. Well, we should probably wrap up and uh, let you go and get some rest. But yeah, thanks for the for the help. Thanks for sharing some insight into into your work with the team as well. It's super interesting stuff. If people want to follow and keep up to date, where are the best places for them to look? Um, so I guess, yeah, Instagram, M one And uh, and then, um, I mean, we've spoken about my coaching company in the past, but ProRide Mountain Bike yep. Coaching. Um uh as well so yeah mainly those two to be cool. fair mate all right i shall stick some links to those in the show notes so people can find them but yeah thanks man it's been interesting catching up and uh i won't see it again but i will see you at lens hide so hope it all goes well up until then and uh come and see you uh, with a big big smile on your face no doubt in the uh, in lens hide look forward to it thanks again chris All right, that's it for this episode with Ollie. I hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to Cushcore for supporting this episode. Improve the performance of your bike so that you can go bigger, corner harder and ride faster by fitting Cushcore to your ride. These aren't just an insert to reduce your risk of punctures and rim damage, they really do improve the ride. They're available in Pro, XC+, Gravel and CX, come with a multiple valve colour options and Cushcore have some great tools to make installing them a breeze with the B-Dropper tyre lever and the brand new B-Bro. Head over to Cushcore.com now to check them out. Don't forget to head to downtimepodcast.com for slash survey and take a couple of minutes to answer the questions there and put yourself in with a shout of winning an awesome Cushcore bundle so that you can experience the performance gains for yourself. Also, a massive thanks to Canyon for supporting this episode. If you're in a market for an enduro race bike or just a very fast and capable bike over the rowdiest of terrain, then their new strive is for you. As with everything right now, stock is pretty limited, but it is kept up to date on the Canyon website. And if your choice isn't available right now, then you can sign up to stock update emails for that particular model and size by navigating to it over at canyon.com and clicking notify me. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch. And forward slash EP if you'd like to check out Downtime EP. And EP2 is very 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 close as always spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening that's it for today we'll have another awesome episode coming up really soon but until next time get out and ride